Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Redefining Autism. Join Maisie Sotantio, founder and principal of Autism Career Pathways, in her discussion with Thomas Hauk of Thomson Reuters as she redefines the concept of meaningful employment for neurodivergent coworkers and discusses how organizations can embrace an authentic inclusivity culture. For more information, visit www.autismcareerpathways.org. Maisie is an openly autistic advocate and inclusivity trainer. In 2019, she started the nonprofit Autism Career Pathways with a mission to increase hiring and long-term retention rates for autistic individuals seeking careers in all types of businesses. Maisie believes that autistic individuals can redefine meaningful employment as small business owners. Maisie has been working with neurodivergent children, teens, and adults since her undergraduate study at the University of California, Los Angeles in 1991. She moved away from a behavioral approach because she realized that supporting each one of her clients' authenticity as an autistic individual needed to be the center of any therapeutic goals. Her role as a family coach is to foster a meaningful understanding and acceptance of an autism diagnosis as a unique pathway to self-advocacy and a fulfilling life. She believes that every autistic person has a story to share with the world, and it is her passion to prepare the world to embrace and take part in his, her, their story. Thomas Houck is a subject matter expert in regulatory compliance for insurance and financial services at Thomson Reuters, where he is currently celebrating his 25th anniversary of employment. He's a graduate of St. Olaf College in Minnesota and Georgetown Law in Washington, D.C. He has worked for Thomson Reuters in virtually every region of the U.S. and currently, and hopefully permanently, resides in San Diego, California. He currently helps coordinate the activities of the AICP's Committee on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And now, here's your host, Thomas Houck. So we are here today with Maisie Satantio, who is the founder of Autism Career Pathways. And Maisie and I met a few weeks ago when we both attended the Dive-In Festival for Diversity in the Insurance Industry. And I found her talk on neurodivergent people to be very informative. And I thought that our listeners from the AICP would appreciate hearing some of uh, Maisie's wisdom. So thank you for being with us today, Maisie. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and for pronouncing my last name correctly. And it sounds beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you. You did, you did instruct me correctly. So I took notes. So <laughs> good. Okay, great. So Maisie, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Autism Career Pathways, what you do, and, and you know, tell us about your decision in deciding to found it. Yes, absolutely. So I have been working with autistic individuals. Uh, I love working with autistic children, and I've been doing it for over 30 years. So it's a while. And the approach that I've been doing is I'm a family mentor. And I work with parents at home and to really empower them to figure out what would be the best way to guide their autistic child instead of outsourcing to professionals. So really bringing everything back to be much more family-centered. And, you know, my little autistic clients grew up and some of them have 
multiple degrees. Some of them, they're very, very successful. They have worked very, very hard all their lives, and yet they cannot get a summer job at Domino's Pizza, even though they make pizza pretty much every day because autistic people are often sensory eaters. Right. And it just broke my heart because I've, I've known them for a long time, and it seems like really the world is not ready not just for autistic people, for neurodivergent people. And that's why in 2019, I created Autism Career Pathways, the nonprofit, to really figure out how can we educate the community and help smaller businesses to be able to understand more about uh, neurodivergent young adults and really become more proactive to learn and to create a space for neurodivergent people. So it sounds like your main focus is then helping neurodivergent people, you know, enter and or be successful in the workforce? Yes. And also redefining meaningful employment according to each person. Okay. Because not everyone want to and can be successful working for other people. In San Francisco Bay Area, we have the pioneers, right? SAP, Google, Facebook, Stanford is just down the street from me. And they're all pioneers trying to figure out what would be the best way we could do improve the hiring process, onboarding, and so on, so on, you know. But many autistic people, because of our sensory differences, we just cannot be successful. We can't optimize our talents in that kind of environment without really, uh, you know, allies and accommodations, you know, in, in that bigger space and environment. So what ACP want to do is really take a step back and really help each individual to get to know themselves as a true autistic. What is your true autistic identity? What are your special interests? And can you build, redefine your meaningful employment and help everyone be in the driver's seat? So that's what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point that you bring up now. So talking about sort of understanding your own self and your own status, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your own journey along this. I understand that you, you were a late diagnosed autistic person. Yeah. T tell us a little bit about how, you know, what, what happened along the way to getting your diagnosis, were you having difficulties in, in your professional life? Yes. So my background was in psychology. I went to UCLA and I came across the field of autism just through behavioral therapy. And I was always very drawn in working with autistic people. And for many, many years, I just kept getting certified in different approaches. I'm just trying to figure out why is it so difficult to teach autistic kids to really be able to connect with others, to be able to make decisions, you know, and all these trainings I went through, it just didn't make sense. And I think because I am autistic, I have a very curious nature and I just kept searching and searching and searching. You know, that's how people describe me. 
It's like, what's your project? What are you doing right now? <laughs> you know, so I, I was just looking for a different way. For, and for the longest time, I couldn't my, put my finger on it. What is it exactly that you're looking for? And then in 2019, I took a step back to learn about neurodivergent employment, what's going on, you know, and of course, I interacted with many, many autistic adults who are actually ahead of me in their journey because they are diagnosed, they have embraced that autistic identity as an adult. And frequently, when we spoke, that person would say, you are autistic, you know, it's like, are you sure, <laughs> you know, autistic? So it just, it, it was a light bulb for me. And I seek the diagnosis. And, and sure enough, you know, and it was a very good diagnostic process where I had to go back and interview people who knew me as a little girl and so on. And then finally, when I got the diagnosis, my husband said, well, I knew you were autistic <laughs> after the first year we dated, but you know, you're, you're not ready to see it in your own light. You're not gonna, yeah. Yeah, understood. So would you characterize it, was it primarily a problem in, in, in achieving focus, the correct kind of focus for what you wanted to do? No, I think it's the way, that's a really good question. I think it's sensory processing differences. So I'm very sensitive to light, to smell to it's primarily light and smell but the way i process information i can only process information one channel at a time so if i'm required to for example to listen to you and take notes i wouldn't be able to do that for example oh i see okay so i struggled so much in school like throughout my earlier years I really struggle with, I had learning challenges. I also have number dyslexia called dyscalculia. So anything with numbers, time management, it's just very, very difficult for me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, obviously you've been very successful even up before your diagnosis. I mean, with degrees from UCLA and it sounds like you really found ways to compensate over the years. Yes, but I was lucky that at UCLA, they provided for each class, they provided transcript. So that was a lifesaver for me. So I just bought all the transcripts. I also had study groups. So I had all my life, I had mentors who were there for me and they were able to translate and simplify things for me. So my mom was definitely very helpful to translate all the social nuances. She was the one who taught me, you know, if you don't understand something, Macy, you just ask and you keep asking until you feel like you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah. So to, to this day, I'm not afraid to pull over five times and ask, you know, when I'm lost driving. That is a wonderful life skill for really anyone. And I think that that's, I'm really glad you bring that up too, because you hear that time and time again, just even, you know, not even talking about neurodivergent populations, but just with anyone, people are afraid to speak up yeah. and say, look, I don't understand. Can you repeat this? Or can we go back and we can look at this in a, in a different way? Right. Yeah. It sounds like what I heard you talk about before also, it sounds like is, is, is sort of the ability to multitask. Is that problematic for you? Yeah. So challenges in being able to multi-process so the other way to think about neurodivergent people is that because 
our wiring is different. So it's like comparing an Apple phone versus a Samsung phone, you know, two different manuals, right? Uh, same function to communicate, but we need uh, separate manuals to be able to optimize and be on the same wavelength. So this is the challenges raising an autistic child, becoming an ally at workplace to not neurodivergent people. You know, it's very hard to get on the same wavelength and be able to support each other. So that's the simplest way that you can think of, you know, what is autism? What is ADHD? We have a different, we're born with a different engine. Mm -hmm. So for me to be able to drive, for example, right? I can drive, but it's very hard for me because when you're driving, you have to pay attention to so many different things. Your brain has to block out, filter out stimuli that's not useful for you, right? People honking in the background or there's so many stimuli visual, sound, the vibration, the movement of the car, you know, all of this. Uh, and you have to block them out to be able to focus, you know. So my mind is not designed to be able to do that very, very easily. So when I drive, I have to basically use up all of my battery power. So after I drive, I need to reset. I need to just, it's very tiring. That's exactly, I'm kind of, you know, over the past years, there's been a lot of discussion about the differences of, you know, just say introverts versus extroverts. And the idea that introverts, it's very taxing for introverts to be with people. And so it doesn't mean that they don't want to be with people. It just means that they use up all their spoons, so to speak. They use up all their energy. Right. And so they, you know, I, and, and this sounds very, very relevant to the neurodivergent population that where there is... There are different, you know, different people have different needs. And in order for us to be effective, we have to be able to have the proper amount of self-care so that we have something left to give to others, right? Right, right. And I, that is a myth that autistic people are not social. We are, autistic people are very interest-centered. Okay. So we all have very, uh, we're really into our special interests. And you can see autistic kids you know, you see pictures of them lining things up. And that's something that I do still, lining things up and stacking things. That's uh -huh. my thing. And my mom used to do the same thing, you know. We have a very unique set of special interests and also system, you know. And it's just how we, that preference to sameness actually gives us a safe zone to to hit a reset button. And that's, that, is, that has to be part of our work-life integration, that like our daily flow has to include these sensory breaks, however, you know, we choose to. But going back to talking or whether or not we're social, a way to get to know an autistic person is to start with a special interest exploration. So for me, I've always loved sports watching ever since I was a little girl. You know, I memorize all the football, American football leagues, you know, and that's how I pass my interview to become a U.S. citizen. I just, the officer and I decided to talk about football for some reason. And I just started rattling off all these 
football terms and he was like okay you're done i don't have any more questions for you you can be a u.s citizen now you know it was really funny that is a great idea <laughs> this is autistic people they love different things yeah animals plants you know uh whatever you know so it's, yeah so it's a so yeah and i'm glad that you, that, that you mentioned that so yeah so it is a myth that and by the way and i wasn't insinuating with my with my talk about you know introvert versus extrovert i wasn't saying that autistic people are automatically introverted what what i was doing is pointing out the parallel that i'm seeing yeah in that and it's really it's fascinating so Maisie, i had a question for you about proper terminology so i've heard different, you know, different terms like neuroatypical, neurodiverse, neurodivergent, if I've heard you say a lot, what would be, what's the proper vocabulary when we're talking about this population? Thank you for asking me this question. Uh, so the term neurodiversity is actually used to describe everyone. Like everyone has a different genetic makeup and race differently, have different strengths and weaknesses, you know, uh, so it doesn't really uh, actually describe uh, people like me. Uh, so it's, it's neurodivergence is a term used for people who are born with a different kind of engine, different kinds of mind that is different than the neuronormative people than most people so autistic people adhd people people who just have like different than the neuro majority and then we have a discussion about is it i have autism versus i'm autistic so for me i prefer uh i'm autistic i'm proudly autistic but there are people who prefer for you to say you have autism or i have autism you know when in doubt you just Ask the person. <laughs> I see. Okay. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's really helpful. So what I'm hearing is is that you know aut autistic people are neuro neurodivergent. So it's not it's not right. incorrect to say neurodivergent or the neurodivergent population. Yeah. So but the neurodivergent might have ADHD. Right. Uh, so it's very common, for example, for autistic people to also have ADHD. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Thanks for that explanation. Sure. Sure. So Maisie, you've shared with us that you were a late diagnosed autistic person and that prior to your diagnosis, you had suffered some challenges as a result of your autistic condition. Can you share with us some of the specifics about the problems that you've had? Yep, for sure. So masking is for autistic people is a very big obstacle or barrier masking okay especially for many undiagnosed autistic adults or neurodivergent people in general because you just don't know what you don't know okay what is masking so masking is when we neglect and really hide our true autistic identity a big part of this is our needs for sensory break and stimming. Stimming is where we need to, to the outsiders, it looks like we have many repetitive actions. And actually, everyone kind of stims, right? So for example, 
a lot of people tap their pencil or play with their hair, you know, shake your legs during a meeting. You know, everybody has their own need that, you know, when you stim, you're not aware of it. But for autistic people, these stimming behaviors, set of behaviors, serves a very important function for us to actually hit a reset, to regroup. A lot of times it's also an expression of our emotions. So for autistic people, it's being able to be allowed to stim somewhere. Like you, right now, you're seeing me using these metal stimming toys. I have metal fidget toys that I use to just help me to process information better. So if I'm allowed to use my repetitive behavior as I'm listening to people, I'm able to process the information better. You know, so that's just me and my example. My other stimming is sensory breaks. I need to stand up and do my routine. So I, I do a walk or pacing in a certain way to just help me either take a break or prepare myself to the next thing that I have to show up for. You know, so in a work environment or in a, at school, for example, for autistic students, uh, the need to reset and regroup is much higher because, of course, the expectations for us to perform consistently is much higher. You know, at a workplaces, uh, we're adults, we're expected, and we, we're a company hiring us, expect us to be able to do good work. So are you saying that the need for the stimming activities and the sensory breaks and the time to reset, that those are things that are very necessary, but that often autistic people aren't given enough opportunity to engage in those either in school or at work? Yes, absolutely. I think that if a workplace has a welcoming, more welcoming mindset to neurodivergent employees, then a conversation about what do you need to be able to function best, you know? And a lot of times it is a universal design for any workplace of all sizes, a standing desk, for example. So a need to move around instead of sitting in front of your screen for long periods of time. And the difference is that, you know, you have open conversations like, oh, is there anything that we can help you prepare to be able to get ready for the meeting better. You know what I mean? So like for me to prepare for a meeting with many people, if I know the outline, so I have time to think about it. If I don't have to turn on my camera, for example, I would feel less self-conscious and I would be able to participate better in the meeting. You know, so these are little things. Empowering your neurodivergent colleagues to speak up. And, and then as an ally, you offer help or maybe you remind. Yeah, so, so it just, it's ongoing because people with sensory differences, you know, it's the tricky part is it's always changing day to day, moment to moment. So to me, this sounds like accommodations essentially is what we're talking about, that these, yeah. are, these are suggestions that you're making that either workplaces or schools mm -hmm. can make these kinds of accommodations for people who are neurodivergent that would help them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of the, the, the sensory friendly environment at a workplace 
it's a better universal design for everyone. Even everyone actually take a little break or be clear in using like written or tax or maybe organization tools instead of the face-to-face verbal spoken word. Yeah. Yeah. And this, so this is really important what you're telling us about. I think it's, this is one reason why it would be helpful to have people who work for an organization or a school to really be cognizant and understanding of some of these particular needs, because these are not difficult accommodations that you're talking about. These are really kind of small things. These don't cause disruption or anything. So I, yeah, this is, this is a great, this is a great call for the need for this type of diversity in our organizations. Yes, absolutely. So just understanding what autistic masking is, you know, it's unhealthy for a neurodivergent person to get hired and he or she or they have to hide their true identity. Right. Right. Steaming is very much part of our identity. It's like when you listen to music, you want to dance to it. It's it's kind of like that when you think about it with stimming. So when you talk about masking, then is the is masking the idea that you have to hide your need to stim and yeah. hide your need to Neglected. get up and taste. Yeah. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. And it comes, the cost is our mental health, you know, because you, you just can't keep it together. And I think that's why my husband told me, I told you about, uh, he, he thought that I was autistic after the first year of us dating, because when you are, you have a close personal relationship, at some point, you just have to stim if you're autistic, you know, it's very apparent. I've had the same stim since I was a little girl, for example, it's the same, you know, I love lining things up. I love stacking things. And that's what I like to do when I need some space and just time to clear my mind. Yeah. Uh, so every autistic person is a little bit different. Do you find that taking the time for the sensory reset, does that give you then full functionality again? Yes. Yes. So that's how I recharge my batteries. You know, for neurodivergent people, when they come to work, because we also have other co-occurring conditions that other people might not see, right? So I have chronic migraines, so I typically don't sleep well. So when I come to work, my battery power is already like half or less, right? And I don't have time to reset my battery that morning. I just have to show up. But I can tell you that's not going to be a good day. You know, I will not be able to process information at a meeting. I might respond slower. I might neglect some emails. You know, I'm not going to be able to perform my to-do list. But if I'm able to say at work, hey, you know, I'm, I really had a tough day last night. Can I move this meeting here and there without being judged as incompetent? Right. No one wants that diagnosis. That's that's for sure. That judgment, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, these are helpful points. Thanks for sharing that with people. And I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that our listeners will be able to take some of this information and understand better how to make these very small accommodations for their coworkers. Let's talk for a minute about some of the <clears throat> services that ACP provides to someone who wants to get a job and is maybe having problems finding either a job at all or finding the right fit. 
what are some of the services that you are able to offer? Yeah, so I love doing career mentoring created by autistic people. So an online, all autistic-led career coaching is one of our signature events. We just, we're almost finishing up one, the first course, this pilot. So when you say autistic-led, so are you saying that the instructors or the coaches are themselves autistic? Yep. Okay. Including non-speaking autistic business owners. Interesting. So ACP really loves to host events and sharing our stories, not just the good stories, but also the struggles, you know, and from these online events, what we plan to do is create an online platform where we house a very robust video training resources for autistic adults. If you want to figure out what are my interests, what do I want to do? You know, how do I start? You know, the saying like everyone always says, well, I wish I had known this at the beginning of my career. I, I wish I had known this like 20 years ago. <laughs> And listening to the ideas that, you know, of, of what your company does, like, I want to take the training myself. I don't, I have no idea who knows. I may be neurodivergent myself. I don't really know, but it sounds so valuable to really anyone. I mean, a lot of it is about really getting to know yourself. Like, what is it that yes. makes you click? What yeah. are your likes and dislikes and where, how are you going to be successful? Because yeah. people yeah. are going to be more successful doing what they understand and what they like, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's helping neurodivergent people to become street smart, not just book smart, because I was not a book smart person. I did not do very well in school. I failed my master's program, you know, but just giving autistic people a template, an outline to build your own career foundations. And if you're not successful, you can go back mm -hmm. and do it again. So we do these kind of online events. Uh, our project is a new one also is called Better Community Project, where we, we are developing a business certification process for small businesses in our community to be sensory inclusive certified. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, you know, for our, for our <laughs> A large part of our audience listening to this today are people in insurance and the insurance industry loves certifications. So <laughs> that should be something that'll ring true to a lot of people. We're doing it in the meaningful way because we want to engage with your kind of businesses as well, because we can't tell people how to change. We can't instruct people how to change, but mm -hmm. we can understand each other better and and then uh, we can give you ideas, you know, and keep the conversation going. That's really what ACP want to do is continue the conversation. Yeah. And make inclusivity your own. Right. Yeah. So you, you and I have had some sort of talks offline about this already. And, you know, you taught me something really valuable. And I think that our listeners would, would appreciate it. You know, I came into this conversation thinking that you know, there, there are certain jobs that are good for neuro, neurodivergent and certain jobs that aren't good. And what you told me before, and I thought that was really valuable, was that that's a myth because there's just as much variety in neurodivergent population as there is in the general population. So I want people to understand that there's not like, don't think that you have to send someone into underwriting or send someone into, you know, compliance or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a myth that autistic people are all good in math or tech skills. I think that 
the best way is to keep an open mind and then don't have the expectations that because we're hiring someone autistic, therefore these are the boxes. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's really, it's really valuable to know. And that really certainly opened my eyes because I thought that, oh, well, you know, there must be certain types of positions in an insurance company, for example, like let's train them to be an underwriter or train them to do this kind of job. But there, you know, because there's got to be just as much variety in the neurodivergent population. So someone may may, may be a people person, someone else may be, they like working with data. Yeah. So what what advice would you give to companies that want to do the right thing and be more diverse in their hiring with respect to the neurodivergent populations? How, how can they help? How can companies help? Yes, I think having the right mindset and the right attitude and uh, where everyone has to start is compassionate. You know, that that's the beginning part. And the second, secondly, to really invest in the person and also in yourself and always start with the mindset of I can learn from this new potential employee in front of me and, and, and vice versa. So I think the best way to explore possibilities when you have a neurodivergent person is to get to know the person and then just start with work samples, like partnering with a person and see what the person is interested in and and just have open conversations all the time. And also keeping in mind that the verbal channel is a lot of times not preferred and that takes a lot of bandwidth from the person. So just put everything in writing, using emails, just have conversation about what would be the easiest for you as well as for me so that we can get to know each other's strengths, you know. So when that's the beginning point, then the possibilities are endless. So that plays into, you know, accommodations in interviewing, for example. So I think you've mentioned before, you know, accommodations that companies can make in the actual interview process to do, you know, not I think you called it nonverbal interviews. Yeah, yeah. We actually created a work skill based career screening tool called Capable. It's actually done and has manual, it has that scoring form. And my dream is to have this tool, capable tool to replace verbal interview. So it's all work skill based and you can do it remotely and the special interests exploration is embedded in it and it's video based. So a company could actually see the personality of the person, the interest, the aptitude, as well as area of needs and accommodations, you know, from day one. And again, you know, if you, if you started with an open mind and you help each other feel comfortable, then your workplace will be more welcoming. Well, that sounds, that really sounds inspiring and sounds wonderful. And I think that, you know, I think that your company is a great one that could probably be of service to anyone who wanted to inquire about it. How can people get a hold of you, get in touch with your your company if they want to learn more, if they want to donate, or if they want to try and make use of some of your services? Sure. Our website is www.autismcareerpathways.org. There's an S in there, Autism Career Pathways. And my advocacy is most consistent on Instagram at Autism Great Pathways. And also I run another one for parents of neurodivergent children. It's just my name at Macy Sutantio. If people want to donate to ACP, 
we would really appreciate it because we want to hire more autistic people to become mentors. And you can donate through our website or uh, our Venmo is ACP-2019. Well, that is excellent. So Maisie, thank you very much for being with us today. You know, I'm really glad that I got a chance to meet you and that we got a chance to have this conversation. And I wish you and your company the best of luck. Thank you so much for having me.